following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. It's time to blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee. Breitbart is reporting in his webpage that just before having his throat slit by two Islamic terrorists in northern France last week, Father Hamill told one of his assailants, Be gone, Satan, according to the priest's bishop. In his homily at the martyred priest's funeral mass on Tuesday, his archbishop Speaking of the last details of this man's life as he was martyred for his Christian faith, he said this, Evil is a mystery that reaches summits of horror beyond what is human. The archbishop also said, Is that not what you meant by your last words? Falling to the ground after the first stab, you try to push away your attacker with your feet, saying, Go away, Satan. The archbishop said that the priest then repeated a second time, Be gone, Satan. During the same homily, the members of the Muslim community present, Archbishop, explicitly addressed those who may be tempted to jihad. You who are tormented by diabolical violence, you who are drawn to kill by a demonic, murderous madness, pray to God to free you from the devil's grip. We pray for you. We pray to Jesus who healed all those who were under the power of this evil. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I want you to know today that the evil that has come upon our world is not new. It's simply the fulfillment and the furtherance of the horror of turning against the Almighty God of heaven. There is nothing good about evil. There is nothing redeeming about evil. There is nothing of value in evil. The Lord brings only goodness and light. Evil brings only darkness and death. Now, as I look at the world today, I see our president has laundered $400 million and sent them to the regime in Iran. I read reports like one that I just received. Let me see if I could find it quickly for you. I received this from a friend just minutes ago. This is a report from uh, national media, and it says, As accusations of bias fly during an election year, a new report shows that Americans have serious misgivings about the media, with only 6% saying they have great, a great deal of confidence in the press. A survey of more than 2,000 adults released on this past Sunday, showed that trust in the media has dipped to dramatically low levels. About 52% of respondents said they have some confidence in the press, while 41% said they have hardly any confidence. Over the last two decades, research shows the public has grown increasingly skeptical of the news industry. Now, when you consider 
the news industry is what brings us the daily events that are transpiring in America and in the world. I, for one, have lost all confidence in the news media. I now see that it is spun to accommodate whoever is it that wants to create a belief. Alinsky, this scheming evil communist, in his community organizing, says, deny, deny, deny. In other words, lie, lie, lie. And we have seen our politicians adopt this motto. Lie, lie, lie. And it destroys our confidence in knowing what's going on in the world. And any thinking person today will recognize that we cannot believe much of what the media has to say to us. This is very troubling. For I remember when I was but a child, every evening my father would turn on the news. Lowell Thomas was on, and he would listen very carefully to everything that Lowell Thomas had to say. And then, of course, Phil Rizzuto with sports came on right after, and Daddy would say, turn off that junk. That's not important. I learned very early that professional sports had nothing to do with the Christian walk. In fact, it was detrimental to it. But I also learned that world events transpiring right before our eyes gave us a very clear indicator of where we are in the timeline of Earth's history. And so I was very interested in the fulfilling prophecies, and my daddy would get out his big black Bible, and he would open it to Zechariah or other passages, prophetic passages. He would turn to Daniel and to Revelation And he would say, Raymond, do you see this is happening right now? You just heard Lowell Thomas say that this is happening right now. And we would trace in the scriptures the events that were transpiring and recognize how close we were to the end. And then my dad would always close by saying, very soon the man upstairs is going to grab his big key ring, and he's going to walk down the stairs, and he's going to say to us, it's closing time, boys. Jesus is coming again. Now, as I consider all of this, I consider the bravery of this priest who died as a martyr, I consider the archbishop's words concerning pure evil and the horror of it. I consider the lying news that no longer allows us to truly know what's happening in our world. My thoughts turn then to say, what is God doing in the world? Where are the footsteps of God? Can we determine what God is about in this day and in this hour? When we go back in Scripture, it seems very clear. We can begin to differentiate between the work of the devil and the work of God. And we can begin to see and trace out the footsteps of God. He had a very clear purpose. He acted on that purpose. Is he still acting today on that same purpose? The book of Hebrews gives us a glimpse into the purposes of God through history. And the reason he's giving us these glimpses into these men's lives is because in chapter 12, he's going to begin to address 
how we can understand what God's footsteps are today in our culture and in our lives. Now, I know many of you get up in the morning and go about your day's work and you have no sense, you have no conscious awareness of what God's purpose is for you in this day. You simply put in another day and you have your familiar rituals that each day you do. You have your familiar places where you go, your familiar coffee shop or restaurant or your familiar workplace. You have your familiar regime when you come home at night. Some people will gather at the table and sit down and have a meal, but those are exceedingly rare today. Most will sit down and turn the television on and spend the rest of the evening watching some form of debilitating entertainment some form of debauchery, often having a beer, and then finally staggering off to bed, only to get up first thing in the morning and start all over again with no sense of direction or purpose except, how can I earn as much money as I can? How can I meet the demands for the bills? How can I pay for everything? Then discussions about should we go in debt to buy a trailer? Should we go in debt to buy that second house? Should we go in debt to buy that new car? Or should we buy a used car? And so your life is spun out day after day after day with no sense of, of God walking, seeing his footsteps following and stepping in those footsteps to follow after him. So let's look in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. By faith, this is verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed, being called to go out to a place where he was about to receive an inheritance And he went out not knowing where he's going. You see, what's so exciting to me is that very quickly, after the flood takes place, where it seems that God has no purpose for man, he just lets man go completely free and wild to do whatever his heart desires. And the result is that very quickly through the years, living to 800 years of age and older. These people fulfilled in their flesh every wicked desire and invented every wicked thing until the earth was totally filled with filth, with horror, with violence, with murder, with rape with every unclean thing, so that finally God looked down on this mess and said, I'm going to clean this mess out. I'm going to take the life of every person on earth, and I'm going to sweep the earth clean. I'm going to destroy the face of the earth. But there was one man who had God's attention. That man's name was Noah. And we spoke yesterday about, by faith, Noah having been warned concerning things not yet being seen, having been moved with reverent awe, built an ark, built an ark unto the deliverance of his household. So God moved to fulfill his purpose for the children of Adam and Eve by having an ark built. This was not Noah's idea. The plans for the ark were not Noah's plans. He was not an architect of naval vessels. These were God's plans. You see, there's that 
little passage of Scripture in Genesis 3.15, the first promise that a Savior will come to the human race and that God will not allow the human race to be completely co-opted by the power of the devil. And so because God has made that promise, his purpose is to fulfill it. We don't understand yet by looking at that what the fullness of God's plan is. But he has put an escape clause into the control and mastery of the human race by the devil. Now, if we're going to trace God's footsteps through history and in our own life, we're going to have to begin to carefully notice that everything that God does is going to fit into that promise of Genesis 3.15. God's purpose is always going to be in line with Genesis 3.15. Now, maybe we ought to take a minute just to turn back and actually read aloud what that promise said. And I will put enmity, that is, I will put hatred between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. God was going to put hatred in the heart of some of the offspring of the woman. And the woman, of course, symbolizes and is Eve and her offspring. It does not say the watchers. It does not say the children, the Nephilim. It doesn't say that. It says between those of the woman. Now, By reading further into the scriptures, we know that the woman also symbolized the church. We know that the church would come about because of the promise of God in Genesis 3.15 and that Jesus would come and he would crush the head of the devil, but the devil would strike his heel. That's what happened at the cross. Now, we don't see the head of the devil crushed yet, but we will soon see that. That is the purpose of God. And if you want to trace the footsteps of God through history, you have to see in line with the will of God. From Genesis 3.15 to the cross, from the cross forward to the second coming of Jesus, you will always find the will of God being expressed in his hatred of evil, in his hatred of sin, and his coming to separate his people out of the devil's camp by putting hatred in their heart toward the things of demonic evil. So if you want to know what the purposes of God are, if you want to know where the footsteps of God can be found, you will find them in line with God's hatred of evil and of the devil. And you will find those footprints now as God begins to unfold after the flood his program. Now you'll also find Nimrod, the mighty hunter, who finds and founds Babylon and other great cities that rise up in utter rebellion against God. There were two great centers in that day. One was found in Egypt, northern Africa, and one was found in Mesopotamia. Now, why those two centers? I can't explain, 
But geologically, those were two that had a temperate climate. There was ice in many other parts of the world. There were volcanoes exploding in many other parts of the world. Other parts of the world were uninhabitable to men. And it would be many years before men would be allowed by the environment to begin to go and explore those parts of the world. The United States was completely covered with ice. So we have these two centers. And we find in those two centers the building up of utter evil once more. And we find demonic creatures beginning to evidence their their authority and their power. Not the same as before the earth was destroyed. But increasingly, men and women were led astray. Now, this was not men hiding in caves. These were sophisticated men. These were men who, having lost all of the culture, all of the expertise of technology from before the flood. Nevertheless, they had a memory of that technology, and they began to function in building up those centers and those cultures. And so when you go to the cities of Mesopotamia, you find very sophisticated cities from the very beginning of the rebuilding process After the flood, the footsteps of Satan are plain to see. Human sacrifices, utter evil, complete disregard for human life, murder, violence, darkness. So, In every part of the earth, there has been now this constant conflict going on between good and evil. And you will always find God's footprints along those ley lines. And so we come now into Hebrews, the the 11th chapter. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Now, we need to stop and and describe this word obeyed. It's made up of a compound, a Greek word, one meaning under and the other to hear. Literally, the word means to come under hearing. So obedience as a result of something heard. Obedience because of something heard. That's the rhema word of God being spoken that brings forth this faith, this confidence. And Abraham stays under that word that he's been told to obey. He stays under that word that he has heard. And he then begins to walk out in obedience to a land he does not know, to a place he does not know. Now, the fullness of this is found in Genesis, the 15th chapter. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. In a vision, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. So the Lord speaks to Abraham, and he encourages him to put total trust in the Lord God of heaven, because the Lord God of heaven is walking out the miraculous purpose of God to separate good and evil. Now in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis, it says this, 
the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Well, there was just one problem. He was married to Sarai, and she was barren. How could he have children? He was now 70 years of age. And Sarah was barren. How could he have children? How could he give birth to a nation? Utterly impossible. My brother, my sister, you will always find the footsteps of God lay along the line of the utterly impossible. God never lays his footsteps down along what we humans understand to be possible. He always works in the realm of the supernatural, the impossible. So he calls Abram out. And in verse 8 of chapter 11, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed. He heard the command. He heard the rhema word of God. He responded to that rhema word of God. And he went to the place where he was to receive an inheritance, but he didn't know where he was going. If there's anything we human beings want, we want the certainty of where we're going. God did not afford him that. Now, I'm going to give you our phone number in studio, and I'm going to do this very early because some of you may have questions about these very important issues I'm dealing with. And if you do, I'd be happy to talk with you about it. Our phone number here in studio is 877-534-0780. That's 877-534-0780. If you have questions or what you would like to share, if I can pray for you, if you're confused about where God's footsteps are for you, then call and let's talk about it. 877-534-0780. We have much time left. I'm happy to talk with you. I want to get these phone lines up and open so that you have the opportunity to call and share and ask questions or request prayer. Now, when we come back to the Word, I'm going to go ahead of myself. Noah built an ark. An ark was strictly a place of safety. We're going to find later in history that God directed Moses to build an ark. And that ark was to have a mercy seat. And the visible presence of God was to reside above that mercy seat. And then on Calvary's tree, there was another ark. The ark was Jesus Christ himself. As you trace this out through the Old Testament into the New, you see the footprints of God laying out step by step each part of this strategy of God's to create for you and for me a place of safety, an ark of redemption. In Noah's ark, only he and his family entered. The Ark of the Covenant that Moses built ended up with almost everyone dying in the desert. 
because they would not accept and would not believe in this Ark of the Covenant where the visible presence of God resided. They would not believe him for food or shelter or provision. They would not put their confidence in him to enter into the promised land, and so they could not enter the promised land. They were not like Abraham who were willing to hear and obey the word coming from God, who had a recent memory, having been told about the ark that Noah built. Now today, we have an ark. Please hear me as I say this. That ark is Jesus Christ. And he comes and dwells in us. And our heart becomes the ark. A heart utterly, totally given to Jesus Christ, where he resides in power, where he speaks to us, where he guides our footsteps. So if you want to trace the footsteps of God, you will find those footsteps along the ley lines of rescuing and making a place of safety for the sons and daughters of Adam. Now I want to go to some scriptures for you, please. In Hebrews, the second chapter, I'm going to begin reading for you in verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he has had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement or that he might be the atonement for their sins, for the people. So we find the purpose of God was to send Jesus Christ that he might destroy the one who holds the power of death. Sin always brings death. So the purpose of God is to destroy him who holds that death power. Now, if you look with me, let me turn to it quickly in the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, follow me, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. God's intention is to get rid of all sin. That's his purpose. If you want to know today where the footsteps of God are, they will be in direct line with that Genesis 3.15 promise, with Noah 
being brought into the ark, with Abraham being sent out to form a nation that would be ruled over by God, a theocracy, a holy people, a people set apart for God who would not walk in sin. The coming of the Savior, his dying on Calvary. And then the resurrection. And for 2,000 years, the line along which we find Jesus is in his power, the power of his blood, setting the captives free. You want to know what the purpose of God is today? It is to set the captives free. It is to destroy the sin in the world. It is to destroy the devil and all of his works. The purpose of God today is not just to do this or that. You don't find the random footsteps of God upon the earth. You find the random footsteps of the devil as he wanders about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But the footsteps of God are straight. That's why Bunyan called it a straight and narrow path, this highway to heaven. And the Lord is seeking in every way possible to reach out and destroy the works of the devil. And if you want to find the purpose of God, if you want to find Jesus today, you're going to have to get in line with what God is doing today. But now he has appeared once and for all at the end of the age to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Verse 28, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away, that is to lift up off of us the sin of many people. And he will appear a second time not to bear sin, not to separate us from our sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So if we go to 1 John, you understand what I'm doing today. I'm showing you where you can find today the footsteps of God in your life. If we can't find the footsteps of God in our life, it's because we're in the devil's footsteps. If you have to ask, what is God doing today in the world? Because I can't see what he's doing. You're a long ways away from leaving your sin. If you're a sinning Christian and attending church, you'll not see the footsteps of God. Listen, chapter 3, the first epistle of the Apostle John. I'm going to begin reading for you in verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. In other words, we're headed to a land, but we don't know that land. It's the same thing Abraham said. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. In other words, when Jesus comes, he's not going to take away our sin. The taking away of the sin has to happen now so that we're going to be like him. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. That is, everyone who has this hope purifies himself, leaves his sin, so that he can be just as Jesus is without sin now. Now, it's, it's interesting to me what Malcolm Lavender has to say about this. Let me turn to it and I'll share it. I'll share it with you. Note how this one 
and everyone having this hope is just as that one is. There's no sin in him. Verse 5 is righteous just as that one is righteous. Verse 7, just as that one is, so are we in the world. Chapter 417. If you look at Romans 829, you'll see that this is a present experience. The resurrection of the body will bring all of this finally full circle. Sin, harmatia, is rebellion in the New Testament. It's not missing the mark. That's classical Greek. It's not honest effort falling short. Sin is a revolt against God, just as it was in the Garden of Eden. Sin brings death as in the Garden of Eden. Sin reigns in death. Grace reigns in righteousness, Romans 5, verse 2. Here, sin is lawlessness. The article with both mean they are identical. Thus, neither are missing the mark, but rebellion against God's commands. The test of knowing God is that we keep his commandments. John 2, verse 3. Now let's be clear about what's being said here. Everyone who sins breaks the law and is lawless. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. Now, let's get right to the heart of this message. Your salvation and mine is dependent upon us following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. You can know where the footsteps of Jesus are because they are going to be along the line that they have always been along, and that is... Hatred, creating and forming hatred in our hearts for darkness, for lawlessness, for sin, for evil. So you can be sure that anything that is simply out there that has nothing to do with turning from evil, that has nothing to do with the goodness of God, Everything that is of the devil is of darkness. You can be sure it's of the devil if there is violence, if there is dishonesty, if there is impurity, if there is darkness. You know that is of the devil and the footsteps of Satan and the fingerprints of Satan are all over it. The footprints of God, however, are not along that line. The footprints of God are in direct opposition and are to destroy the power of darkness in your life. If you say to me, Pastor, it seems like God is so far away from me. That's only caused for one reason. Because in your heart, You still want darkness. And there must be in your heart a deeper crucifixion. I spoke with a young man this morning. He's very concerned. He's frightened. Because he's not doing as well as he needs to do in his job. He's in sales and his figures are not as high as they need to be. And he he had his review and... His boss was asking him, are you sure this is something you want to do? And he's frightened because that's his source of income. So he wanted to know, has has Jesus forgiven me for my sin? 
he thinks that the footsteps of Jesus are going to be along the line of his prosperity. Well, that's not where the footprints of Jesus are. I said to him, if you true if you truly in your heart want to be with Jesus, you're going to have to read the scriptures and listen for the rhema words of God as he speaks into your heart and tells you and convicts you regarding impurities that you need to be asking him to wash away by your blood. In other words, the footprints of Jesus are not going to be along the line of, okay, I've done everything I'm supposed to do, and now, Jesus, you're supposed to do this for me. No, Jesus doesn't make those kind of deals. Yes, Jesus will bless us, and yes, he will do all in his power to carry us. But that's not where his heart is. His heart and his purpose is that we would be purified of all sin, that we would walk clean with no lawlessness in our heart, that we would be washed and be made clean and be utterly given over to the presence and power of God. Listen, no one, this is chapter 3, verse 6, of the first epistle of John, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. In other words, no one who walks in his footsteps will continue to walk in sin. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. In other words, if you'll do what is innocent before God, you will be like Jesus. There's none of this sinning Christian foolishness in this word of God. That is a delusion from Satan to keep you bound in the chains of darkness with some false confidence, some false Gnostic belief that the day will come when God's grace will release you at the tomb. No, Jesus' footsteps are along your life now to release you now to purify you now by his shed blood so that you are just like he is. For it says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. You are like Jesus. And what is this hope we have? That when he appears, we shall be like him. Now, this book of Hebrews lays out for us very clearly the footsteps of Jesus because it was Jesus who came to Abraham. It was Jesus who called him. We're told that in Colossians, the first chapter, in John, the first chapter, the Gospel of John, and in Hebrews, the first chapter. It's Jesus we're dealing with. And he called, he called these godly men who were not necessarily godly when he called them. Some were. Some had a long way to go. And and they had to grow up and they had to mature and they had to lay aside every unbelief. That's what happened with Abraham. So we find in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, by faith Noah, having been warned concerning the things not yet having seen, being seen, having been moved with reverent awe. In other words, he was told where the footsteps of God were going to go, and the footsteps of God were going to destroy the earth. 
Today we know the footsteps of God are leading toward the final confrontation, the final judgment, and the earth will be burned with fire. And everything that is ungodly, everything that is of the devil, everything that is of the whore of evil will be completely destroyed. ISIS will be burned up. And all that is false will be burned up with them. Please understand. By faith, Abraham obeyed. He stayed under that command, being called to go to a place which he was about to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as a stranger in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Now he was looking forward to the city having the foundations whose designer and builder is God. Evidently, God gave him a rhema word concerning the new Jerusalem. And he was told, this will be your final home. The footsteps of God were made plain to Abraham. The footsteps today of God can be made plain to you if you will recognize that the footprints of God only go in line with Genesis 3.15 in a straight line to the cross and a straight line to the fiery end of this earth's history as we know it today. And if you want to be in line with the footsteps of God, you are going to have to purify yourself through repentance and turning from evil by the power of the Spirit of God, by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus is in the business, and his footsteps are found beside the life of that person who will turn from all evil and will surrender totally their heart and their life to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, you are the Redeemer, the Magnificent One of Israel. And I come today to proclaim you King of kings and Lord of lords in my life. And I desire to walk in your footsteps day by day until that final great day of judgment. When I will be found like you. O Lord, finish every part of that in my heart and my life. Show me everything that needs to be purified and cleansed. And same for my brother and my sister. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee, the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with.